Hello, I'm Jamie Bricker. And I'm Carol Bricker. And you're listening to Bricker by Bricker, a podcast to support parents with building productive partnerships between home and school. Well, Carol, time's whizzing by and we're now halfway through our second month of the school year. And needless to say, it continues to be a very fluid and understandably anxious time for parents, children, and teachers alike. Decisions by the ministry and local school boards are constantly being reassessed, and it is so important for families to keep abreast of, you know, the really the latest information. Well, I certainly know in our areas that families really have been struggling between that decision, you know, does my child return to school in person or does my child attend that, you know, virtual school? And really, for those families who have decided to have their children attend the virtual school, you know, there's been constant ongoing struggles, whether it be that boards don't have the required number of teachers and classes available for students, uh, you know, the enrollment numbers within uh, the virtual schools are, are changing. And then on top of that, you know, there, there's always those technology challenges that families are facing as well. Well, those are all key points, Carol, but pr- particularly those enrollment numbers. Boy, even in the last few weeks, the kids going to physically to school versus virtual school, those numbers are going back and forth, mm-hmm. back and forth, get kind of dizzy keeping track <laughs> of them. Uh, so, I mean, your points are bang on. Uh, so this month, we decided to focus on looking at the whole back-to-school process. And I think it's really kind of a, a neat change in our usual kind of focusing and say an educator's perspective, some other right. podcast. This time we really focused on a parent's perspective. And uh, this parent, Heather Murray, had some fantastic insights into the back-to-school decisions her family made. And we are very fortunate today to have the opportunity to continue that conversation with Heather. And I think if we look back at, at our last podcast uh, with Heather, you know, I think one of the really big takeaways was you know, ensuring that parents are well-informed about the decisions that are being made through uh, going to the public health and going to the school board websites so that you're getting that factual information as to, to support your decisions either way. Well, I think it's really key that you mentioned public health. And if I can kind of piggyback on that uh, comment, it's important to stress that, you know, to parents that school boards and individual schools obviously are ultimately taking their direction from public health. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And and so going to the public health website or going to the board website or your school's website really are those best sources for information. And Heather also commented that if you have a question, email public health. We really need to caution people, you know, this isn't the time to rely on information from their neighbors or their friends or social media, that we really need to be going to those reliable sources. Well said. So in today's podcast, uh, we're very pleased to welcome Heather back, and we're going to carry on our discussion about returning to school in this most unusual school year, but how do we work together? We talk about this partnership how can we really utilize this homeschool partnership and collectively help make this as productive and a successful year as we can for everyone involved? But before we start, Carol, I think it's really important to kind of remind our listening audience that Heather resides outside of the GTA, and in her geographical area, there's a much smaller case count. So I think it's important to mention that because obviously 
in her comments and experiences, she's had things happen, you know, differently than an awful lot of families in our listening audience who live in larger metropolitan areas. Oh, so true. So, Heavy, you certainly have conveyed that your school and, and your teachers have reached out to you, particularly as we began this school year. But typically at this time of the year, we're looking at the meet the teacher night or the curriculum night or, you know, whatever uh, different areas might uh, might classify it as. But with regards to the pandemic and the changes initiated, you know, with safety, how do you feel that it's impacted your connectedness with your child's teacher? You know, you don't have the opportunity just to pop in for a visit. And right. No, it's that's a great question. Um, I don't know that I had really thought about it until until you ask. <laughs> uh, I definitely, um, again, because of the communication tools that we use at the school, the, the Seesaw app, um, we still have that communication so I can directly message the teacher if needed. Um, I've been very fortunate all through my children's uh, education uh, cycle <laughs> that I haven't um, had a need to really have that constant daily yes. or weekly communication with the teacher, right? They've all done very well um, when it comes to education. So i um, been very fortunate there. Um, we haven't received any plans yet um, for what we what it might look like for a meet the teacher um, type event or night, but I don't feel like I'm disconnected from them. I feel like that if I needed something, they are there. It may mm. not be the traditional sense, like you said, of walking in the school. And it's kind of funny that you, that you bring that up because like my, my children have been attending the same elementary school, like right from my oldest all the way down. So we've been 11 years now, I guess, it, it, interacting with the staff, the administration, the different teachers. Um, and that part is is strange. Like I have a few teachers that teach there who I would consider somewhat of a, of a friend or have a social relationship with, and you can't even see them. You know, they drive by in their car when you're dropping the kids off in the morning, and they wave instead of it being a, an interaction. So that part is definitely definitely strange. Mm -hmm. um, but from a, a contact with the actual direct educator for the children, I don't uh, don't have any concerns there or notice any any difference. Well, Heather, as you well know, uh, schools don't exist in a vacuum. And there's very much a broader community. And just kind of in uh, in your kind of social network and your neighborhood and so on, you know, the big issue of the virtual learning versus physically attending school, that, of course, has been a very hot topic of discussion across the province for, uh, well, probably since really the start of the pandemic. Like, have you noticed any kind of divide between the in-school folks versus the virtual learning, or how has that dynamic evolved? Oh my goodness, yes. You know, we talked about social media a few minutes ago, and uh, wow, just the the judgment and and the I don't even know what I almost want to call it hatred is it's it's horrible. Um, I don't think that any in in the in social environment out there right now, I don't think any parent could make a right decision. Um, the like I explained earlier, the the decision making process for returning my children to in class learning versus virtual was very much a personal one. Um, we you know we involved the family in the house, but we had so many factors to weigh that so many people outside of our home don't know or understand. And I mean, you can't look at anyone else and think that you understand their situation better than them. Um, you know, there's there's just well, so good. much negativity about it if we could all just you know give each other a little grace um and and 
just let understand that everyone needs to make a decision about what's best for them. And sorry, if the were only decision. Oh, were people kind of just promoting their side or were they actually trying to influence others to quote join their team? Oh, absolutely influence others to join their team. Um, and by, I, I mean, I've seen people belittle others about, you know, why would you risk the safety of your children just so you can go back to work? Um, you know, those kind of things. And I mean, if it comes down to it that your child has to go back to school so that you can put food on the table to mm -hmm. just be, to be taken down to that level. And I mean, we, we all know, and I'm certainly not in that situation, but there are so many people that it really is that easy of a decision. Mm -hmm. It's if my child continues to stay home, I can't go back to work and we, we can't afford things that, that we need to, to survive. Mm -hmm. And to just see that, that divide. And then, you know, the flip side of it too, of you're, you're not sending your child back to school. What are you, what are you afraid of? You know, this is, this isn't that big of a deal. You know, in, in our area, there's only four active cases. Why wouldn't you send your child back to school? You know, just just a complete divide, and again, just the 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 slinging of the negativity. It's now, just so so sad. Now, Heather, you're in the very unique situation where, with your three children, two physically went back to school and one went virtual. So, did that kind of make it doubly awkward for you, where you're kind of quote unquote stuck in the middle when it came to neighborhood opinion? Yes, but I try to, I guess before now, I try not to advertise my opinions and, <laughs> and decisions. I guess now the world knows. Um, but I don't, I try not to go down those rabbit holes um, per se. Um, I, I mean, those obviously closest to us know um, our situation um, and probably can, can empathize and understand why we made the decisions we made. Um, but for the broader community or those neighborhood dis, um, opinions, like you were saying, um, we don't, I don't particularly feed into those. Um, mm -hmm. So, so I can't really, can't really say it kind of put me in the middle or in an awkward spot. It's more for me empathizing with those who are put in a position where they really didn't have the, the power to make a decision and to see that the way that they've been treated. Yes. No, it's really I, hard I, for me sure, I apologize, Carol. Last question, then I'll turn it over to Carol. Um, have your kids indicated to you or have you heard from the school what was your kind of split in various grades or whatever of like what percentage of kids roughly did physically return to school and does it vary from your youngest to your out like any information on that I have not heard anything um, related to that so, but that's a, that's actually very interesting information that uh, I might try to look into to, to weigh into my decision for November um, so as I had mentioned come November, we can change our decision. Yes. So we can look at, you know, for any, any of them, we can swap and say, okay, no, now you're going to go virtual versus, or, you know, now you're going to go back in class. Um, but that's a really great statistic that probably would be very beneficial for that, that point and that decision making mm -hmm. at that, that, that mm -hmm. juncture. Well, kind of going back to what you were saying previously, I was just going to add on that, you know, parenting at the best of times is difficult and stressful. And, oh, yeah. and I really think you framed it well in the sense that, you know, each family has their own dynamics and we really can't judge other people and their decisions that they made because we don't know all the factors. And I think that's a, a really good message to carry forth to parents is that, you know, you've had 
you know, the opportunity to make this decision or that decision based on what is best for your family. And we really shouldn't judge people based on, on the decisions Absolutely. that they've needed to make for the betterment of their family. Yeah. So kind of talking about your daughter who's now in the virtual learning experience and looking back to how it worked in the spring for her, what are are you know what are the differences that you're seeing now compared to then and do you do you feel that you know, the schools or the board has really taken steps and implemented things to reduce some of those challenges that were experienced in the spring absolutely um so obviously in the spring no one had any prep time right it was okay so enjoy your spring break and then on monday <laughs> good yeah. luck figure it out and that's for everyone for the parents the students the educators you know across the board it's not like uh, educators had a, a pocket or a playbook in their back pocket that they've yeah. been planning for this for the last 20 years you could just flip the switch um so it's definitely um was was very difficult at that time however on the flip side of that i think that people were more understanding of the challenges back in the spring than they maybe are now um, I feel like this fall, things just picked up and were good. Um, everything was organized and coordinated. There were a few technical issues um, with, you know, making sure the kids are in the right classroom at the right time, logged in the right places, have their logins, you know, all that. I mean, same thing first day of school, making sure they're in the right classroom. Um, so, you know, those, those little bumps to iron out. Um, however, um, I feel like any small hiccup at this point is just met with some with with a lot more criticism than it was in the spring um so to answer your question yes i feel like the time has been put in to to make sure that it's a positive a more positive and, and structured learning experience for them but there are still going to be hiccups i mean i'm sure you both have stories of your educator days where there's been hiccups in the classroom let alone let alone you know trying to, to roll virtual as well so you know, well, I, I, I just wonder. Just all work together. I, well, Heather, just to piggyback, uh, one kind of final comment on that: uh, the virtual learning at home experience. I know last spring uh, we had kind of heard, you know, through the media and, and various uh, educational colleagues, that as I understand it, they kind of put a floor on the marking. In other words, uh, you know, I don't know with elementary students, they said your mark couldn't go down uh, from March yeah. to June, which of course okay, I kind of get, but on the other hand, it isn't really a motivator uh, for the whole learning at home process. Yep. And I just want to clarify with your high school daughter, I'm assuming there were no such guarantees of anything and it's just more, more traditional assessment. Is that fair to say? It, nope. It was exactly the same. It was the same rule. If what your mark was in March, that you couldn't go lower and no, and i no, agree no, sorry, it I, mean, caused me... now. I mean in terms of starting this fall oh and now i'm sorry yes yes you're you're correct it's based on true assessment at this point sorry yeah no that's good yeah. that's good okay just just wanted to clarify because i certainly assumed it was um now yes we, yes we, we talked earlier about the uh november as, as a switch time and frankly i as as an educator myself i, I think it's 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 really understandable that all schools want to have designated times for potentially switching rather than mm -hmm. kind of a week here or a week i do i do totally get that but is i just wanted to clarify has it been offered both ways because whenever we hear that 
we always think of the, the virtual learning student who is a, a he or she and their family over the eight or 10 weeks may potentially feel more comfortable and safe and want to return to school and they miss their friends and so on. And we totally get that. Uh, but on the other hand, has, has the, has the reverse, is the reverse equally available where a student who has gone physically back to school, but for whatever reason is not feeling safe and they're anxious and so on, do they have like an equal opportunity to then flip it to the virtual? And the second part is how much flipping can you do? Uh, like, uh, right. are they, are they dividing the entire 10 month school year into two month increments? And, you know, I'm, I, and I just wonder like some families, a little bit of a emotional roller coaster and a, I can kind of see, well, like on, off, on, off, on, off, but like, are there any kind of limits or whatever that you're aware of? So yes, the opportunity is there. If you've opted for in-class learning, um, come the November timeframe, you can, can switch to, to virtual, um, which really for me at least helped feed into that initial decision, knowing that, okay, I'm committing to a two month span and then we can take that step back and look at it and see, did this work? Did this not work? And I mean, really in, in reality for me, I mean, the way that I would look at it, that it doesn't work is if, you know, the number of cases explode and we have significant spread, in which case I don't think it's going to be a decision left up to the parents. No, um, yeah. I, I mean, I think if we see some kind of a, a mad spread, we're, we're going to see the schools make the decision to just shut down and, and yeah. the options are no longer available. As for your question about is it going to be split up in, in increments um, as we go through, I would assume yes, but I don't know that for certain. So my assumption is at this point that we're going to do the November decision and then come the end of the semester or the switch of the semester, um, we would then be given that decision again. However, that's just an assumption. I don't know that for certain. That hasn't been communicated or, or outlined yet. Um, so I can't say with any certainty. And again, that's probably going to be board by board. Um, I don't, uh, I'm not familiar with any of the other, other school boards and what their approach is. Um, but for us, that's, that's kind of the, the direction that we're going. All right. Because just thinking about it, uh, like, you know, theoretically, if you were so inclined and as a parent and you and your kids are thinking of that November switch yourself, like you're clearly, if your high school daughter is already connected to her regular classes, regular teacher, in theory, uh, if she was so inclined to physically return, that'd be a very, you know, smooth transition. Mm -hmm. But I'm just, and now I'm not thinking about your, your own elementary kids, just elementary kids in general. Yeah, with the virtual school. Yeah. That, that's going to be a much bigger transition. A much bigger Absolutely. loss if they're having a virtual school and that and that virtual school for elementary kids that seems pretty standard if not provincial that's, that's that seems like a pretty standard thing yeah. mm -hmm. so to really have that and then after eight or ten weeks to go back to to your quote home school and your home classroom and all that boy that really does seem like an awful lot of mm -hmm. you know material to make yep. up I was just gonna say that's that's kind of one of the reasons why it was a factor in our decision making um you know when we decided to send the younger ones back to school um this it wasn't the only of course but it was definitely one of the key factors in our decision was what's this going to look like if we need to change our approach or change our mind mm -hmm. and you know, i agree that transition is going to be horrible not only for the child for the educator trying to adapt to new class sizes every eight weeks yeah. new kids new you know social interactions it's going to be it's going to be very challenging and that's what i was just going to say is for parents if they do make that decision to have their child 
leave the virtual classroom, the virtual school, and go in person to really do a lot of prep work ahead of time because your child's moving into a situation where everybody else who is remaining there knows the routines and everything, and mm -hmm. they're not going to. And to really make sure that you know the routines so that then you can teach your child prior to them returning to that, that in-person yep. in class time. Yeah. I was just going to say to to take it one step further, though. Um, you know, we're talking about that that flip flop. I think that this approach of the eight week windows is certainly better than one of the initial approaches that was put out there. So there was some conversation earlier um, before the official announcements came about out about how the school was going to support the new year, where it was going to be half of the students go back for one week, the second half go back for the other week, and they do virtual on their right. off weeks and. I mean, not only from a, a child's perspective of, of maintaining that, that routine and consistency, I mean, that's huge for our younger children, um, but from a parent's perspective, oh. like if, if you didn't even have a choice and then one week you're allowed to go to work and the next you're not, like it's just that was so much worse in my opinion um, and, and it would have been a lot more for the um, challenging. Parent. Now, Heather, yeah. got to ask you, the, the two-month window, like this arbitrary, say, November 1st potential flip date, do you know, like I wonder, um, like your, your secondary school daughter, there had been talk both provincially and within given boards that some uh, schools and boards would be going into quad mesters where she'd be, they'd be having like the school year be broken down into four two month increments and students would have two courses every two months. And that was in, in the case, more er, like the, the very urban early discussion, large only urban right. Discussion. Just in case there was a second wave, and at least they would have like say two full credits before there was any major impact on school later in the fall. So, I but I just wanted to clarify. But in your daughter's case, no, she's taking like a full semester, full course load. However, what they have done to try to keep the cohorts together in the school is they do so they have four periods a day. So week one, they do the morning is period one and the afternoon is period two. And then week two, right. period three is the morning and period four is the right, afternoon. Right, so that's right. more that's, geared for the in-class students to, to keep But, but the they're following the pretty, standard, the pretty standard model. Yeah. As I say, yeah, I, I, exactly. the question only popped to my mind when I kind of was pondering this November 1st cutoff. I didn't know if it was to really parallel the secondary world. No, but I, I like that. Uh, that idea would have been a good I take no credit for it, of, thank you. No. <laughs> you can have <laughs> the credit, it's ideas. okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, like you said, to to get, you can knock out a couple of credits before yeah. wave two. But really you're pretty well guaranteed a couple of credits that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Because that, that is a, a huge challenge for, for the high school kids, right? You need mm -hmm. your credits to graduate. Yeah. And if the school shut down, well, then, then what, right? Like, like to your point, you're getting your credits because you had this mark when it shut down. <laughs> it's just kind of. <laughs> well, there we go. Wouldn't that be lovely? So right. as, kind of, as we wrap up here, and, and certainly Heather, you've shared some really great information and really, you know, provided us with a, a great insight to the the parent's perspective. So as to sum up here as a parent during these very uncertain times, you know, what is your greatest concern about moving forward in terms of this year's educational experience for your children? I think it's 
Sorry, I'm going to have to think about this one. <laughs> well, maybe it's just, you know, that we get through the school year, that we get that vaccine, that, you know. Right. Oh, absolutely, right? And Bigger picture, yes. No, no I mean, yeah. anybody. Right. I mean, from the beginning of this, our message in our house is if we all come out of this alive, then we've won. I mean, as, as much as that takes it down right to the, the very basics, I mean, that's my biggest concern, obviously, is that someone in our home gets sick. Um, I think that's any parent's concern. Oh. And you want to do everything you can to, to, to prevent that. Um, but I think to, to take that one step further, right, I think that concern is kind of a globally shared concern. So yeah. I, I, but I don't, I also don't want to make the wrong decision. And I hate to use that word because I don't think there is any right or wrong decision um, during this, this scenario, this situation. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to make the wrong decision for my children um, from an education perspective. Yes. I don't want to do something that puts them at an academic disadvantage from their peers. Um, whether that's deciding to keep them um, home and do virtual learning, whether that's to force them back in the classroom where they're uncomfortable or feel um, uneasy, any of those kind of kind of scenarios is, I think as, as a parent, I'm just, I don't want to make the wrong decision for my child. Mm -hmm. Well, I Heather, I mean, the bottom line is there is no really right or wrong right now with yeah. so many unknowns. I think the issue is, uh, you it's know, making par parents, informed decisions. I was going to say parents yes. don't want to say have an informed, like, like they don't want to have an uninformed decision. And yes. clearly it's been very evident in our last few podcasts with you that any decisions you and your family have made have been a uh, very informed and also uh, frankly it's very impressive how all of your decisions have been so inclusive and how you've, you've openly included all of your kids both you know kind of individually and collectively in the various situations they're they're all facing this year so and, and age appropriately yeah. it, you know in an yeah. age appropriate manner but I mean and, and like within your household you've obviously been so transparent about it uh, so like kudos to you, I think as a parent, you've absolutely done, you know, everything, even we said, there's no right or wrong. You've done everything. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've done it right. Okay. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And, and it, it really is. I mean, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, the hardest thing is the unknown. Um, and, and the thing that gives me the most anxiety is the unknown. And there is so much about the past seven months, eight months that is unknown, um, right from day one. What is this? What does it mean? Um, and the only way that I can maintain some sense of feeling like I'm in, in any way can, in control is to be informed, to yes. be educated from reliable sources. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, make sure I have as much information as is available and accept the fact that I can't control all of this. I, I can control what our family does and, and where, you know, where we go and what we do, I can't control what's going on in the rest of the world. Um, and, and even in the rest of the city, um, well you just do the best you can. Well, Heather, in our world of so many unknowns, one thing we definitely know <laughs> is, uh, you're an outstanding guest today and I truly want to thank you very much for both your insights and really your, your frankness and candor. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. And, uh, and, and once again, also the, the kind of the, the multi, uh, lens you bring with your children at different stages of the educational process. So a big thank you, Heather. And uh, we certainly hope that your family, Heather, and all of our listeners' families have a safe and productive school year. And thanks as always to everyone for joining us. And we really have been thoroughly enjoyed this two-part podcast series with Heather. But we really hope that parents kind of moving forward feel a little more kind of 
uh, you know, confident and, uh, you know, once again, rest assured, just be informed as best you can. I think that's really Heather's overall message. And Absolutely. as always, you can please email us listeners at brickerbybricker at gmail.com or contact us through our website at brickerbybricker.com. And we encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other families they think might be interested. And a reminder to follow us on Voice Ed Radio and any of our other platforms such as iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to connecting with you next time on Bricker. Bye, Bricker. Bye, Bricker.